This is the fourth in our series of conversations with candidates for Tennessee's 5th Congressional District running on the Republican ticket. Election day for the GOP primary is August 4th. Early voting starts July 14th. Today, we are talking to Trace Whittem. So, enjoy. Sitting here with Trace Whittem, candidate for Tennessee's 5th Congressional District. Trace, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Uh, so, Trace, tell us a little bit about your your background, how you got into politics, what drew you to running for, for office. My political background started in 2006. I had to recall it because I didn't really think I had a political background. Um, and then you kind of recall what brought me to this moment, right? So it would have been 2006. And on the college campus, there's a place called Democracy Plaza. And it's where students would go and talk about issues of the day. And so I was known as the lone conservative who actually took on uh, some of the more outspoken. Um, he was actually a professor. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like truck driver, real, real burly, deep voice, intimidating fellow to some people, but someone I actually admired because he was different. And, um, and you know, we kind of, we, we would spar a lot and it, it, I'll never forget. There was one, uh, lady who walked up to me walking away and she said, where are you going? You, you can't leave. You're the only one out here speaking the truth. Um, and so, you know, that kind of progressed and I didn't think much of it. Um, and then I also got involved in college Republicans. There's another thing I just, I was doing Mox news, uh, at UTC and I went there to cover a story and I, I guess I found myself enlightened into what the organization was doing. Uh, long story short there, I become president of the UTC chapter during the 2008, uh, presidential election. And, um, ended up springing board in there to be the state chairman of the college Republicans. We had four chapters at the time when I became state chairman, we ended with 18. We expanded oh, wow. throughout the state. Yeah. Um, was it UT Memphis, Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt, Belmont, uh, Lincoln Memorial, Knoxville, um, of course, Chattanooga. Um, Lord, I probably should remember, remind myself <laughs> of all these, but we were finding schools that were just ready. I mean, they kind of had these organizations. It was connecting dots. Yeah, yeah. And what's great, everyone out there who hears this, who, who worked with me, I, I didn't forget you. It's one of those things because we all know each other still. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I got involved in the College Republican National Committee because of that. And it's actually funny. One of my opponents in this race, their general consultant who lives in California, um, was a friend of mine um, during the College Republican National Committee. And uh, so anyways, you know, you, you meet these people. These are lifelong friends, but we're all young conservatives who decided we were going to make a difference back in 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I never really thought I had a political background, but I did. I will say that with that, I actually went to school for mass communications. Um, I, I wanted to produce and host TV. That's like I said, mentioned earlier, I did Moss right. News. And Hannah Montana, the movie was here, uh, was being filmed here in Nashville. And it was something I knew like, you know, I need to get involved in that because if I could understand how the production side works, you know, what an education, right? Something you can't learn in the classroom. Um, and so I learned that, you know, you become an actor and you, you get on set and you, and you, and you kind of go that route. Um, I, I meet Senator Bo Watson at the time when I'm in college, and um, we used to have great debates. We'd show up places together, and uh, we just used to debate. And um, he would ask me to, to work with him on things, and um, I ended up graduating college. Um, also, I got to mention I was very involved in Christians United for Israel, mm-hmm. um, which actually is where I think I found my call to government, um, but uh, through Kufi. 
Um, but I worked with Senator Bo Watson a lot on small projects. He ends up becoming Speaker Pro Tem of the Tennessee Senate. And uh, one day he asked me to go to Nashville with him. Um, and he picked me up after I had a test. And we, we debated our way all the way to Nashville from Chattanooga. And uh, he actually asked me, he says, hey, listen, I'm, I'm Speaker Pro Tem of the Senate. And I need somebody to come work with me in uh, my office and uh, work with me in policy. And, you know, this is something that I think that if you would uh, want to work in government long term, you're going to get a good education. And I'll tell you, uh, you know, you talk about going to K through 12 and getting an education. Um, I did 11 years in the Tennessee Senate uh, with Senator Bo Watson. Wow. Yeah, what an yeah. education I received. So there's yeah. kind of my background in a nutshell. You know, obviously, uh, I, I didn't what I didn't think was political. Um has been has been a, a political in hindsight i i see yeah, uh, the yeah education yeah okay well let's talk a little bit about your your campaign for tennessee's fifth district what are kind of uh i guess your some of your pet issues what you would describe as like the pillars of your campaign yeah. well let's be clear we need to save america with tennessee values mm-hmm. um one thing i learned in the tennessee senate was tennessee values um and so, you know, those are things, those are simple, um, you know, f- family, um, family values, obviously faith and family is a big one. Uh, I think Tennesseans are definitely people of faith, um, and, and family values. Um, you know, I'm pro-life. I believe we need a strong border. Um, we need a strong national defense, but when we talk about that, we're talking about border security, literally in a physical sense. Right. Right. Um, but we also need a strong cybersecurity defense. Uh, we need a strong biological chemical chemical weapon defense, right? These are strong national security. It's not just, it's not just the border. It's, it's other borders, right? Of course. Um, you know, we need good energy independence. Um, we're, we're going to have to have, uh, innovative public private partnerships. Um, so those are things we're talking about, um, renewable energies and resources. Um, you know, obviously there, there are things that every conservative is talking about, right? right? Um, I just think that, um, Really, we're looking forward to, you know, when we think about the future, we're really looking at what does 2100 look like mm-hmm. because it starts now. You know, you took look at the roaring 20s in 1920. Well, this is 2022. And so the decisions we make, I'm 35 years old. I turned 35 years old, May 28th. The decisions our generation is making now are going to affect what 2100 looks like, right? We're yeah. at the beginning of it. So we see, we understand the economy is changing. Clearly, we're talking about the supply chain issues. Um, we, you know, we're talking about inflation. We're talking about the budget. I forgot to mention the budget. That's huge. How can I forget that? This country's in so much debt because we have decision makers um, who have decided to just keep spending money that hadn't even been printed yet. Yeah. What do you think? Of, I mean, what's the average age? I think the average age of senators is like is 70 or something. I th- I'm not sure what it is for, for house members. I, I think it's, I think it's 70, but you know, you talk about another pillar. Um, and it's funny cause I get people that will look at me sometimes sideways, but I think pu- the public, when Trace Whittem gets to Congress, okay, we'll talk about taxes and we'll talk about those things in the house, but we've got to get con- Congress under control. And because you brought the Senate up, we have to repeal the 17th amendment of this country. Uh, the direct election of us senators is what's harmed huh. this country. Um, I love that. I've, that's kind of been like my, uh, I float that idea out there all the time. Never really do I get takers on it. But it's I, because people I are afraid. Agree with that more. <laughs> they're afraid to say it. They're afraid to say it. Yeah. Unfortunately, we had a bunch of people that bamboozled. It would be construed as like anti-democratic, though. Yes, but it's because it's because those politicians told you so. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But we have to understand those of us that are constitutional conservatives understood that our founding fathers 
actually created a democracy, a republic, based on state representation, literally in the sense of the state. Of course. And then the House, the people's house. And so we're supposed to have Congress together, right? The people and the balance of the states are supposed to Congress. January 6th looks a lot different if the Senate— uh, who accepted the electorates actually spoke to their states because some sure. of those state legislatures were saying, actually, we're kind of concerned about this ourselves. Um, but that's how democracy is supposed to work. Instead, you know, you have a bunch of glorified congressmen who act like federal governors. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting, interesting take there. 17th Amendment, I love hearing that. <laughs> yeah, get ready because when Trace Woodham goes to Congress, you know, I'm sure the Senate's not going to be in favor of it, but we're going to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, well, we, I mean, we were talking. You have an entertainment background, and before we started here, we were talking about entertainment in Nashville, tax incentives. Not really, I guess, not really something that would uh, be a part of your role as a congressman. But I, you know, I thought you had some interesting thoughts on. Well, well uh, like I said, I, I will say, uh, you know, I went to school again, mass communications, uh, broadcasting, um, and I will say, I, I always wanted to be. I didn't want to just be the guy in front of the camera that just said things. Right. Um, I wanted to be someone that understood the production side. That's the business of it. And I, I use that as a metaphor as well, because even when you're running for office, I don't want to be the guy that's just on Fox News saying stuff. Of I want to also be the guy that, should I have the opportunity, I understand how to pass legislation. I know the legislative process so I could be a good representative. And I say that because we talk about the entertainment industry. Um, you know, Tennessee, uh, there's no doubt about it. We're music city capital of the world. Um, but we also have other opportunities we can capitalize on. We know that there's a lot of entertainers that do live here, especially in this district. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we can create a, a competitive environment, um, that benefits Tennesseans. Look, this is a non-income tax state. So we're a different state versus states like Georgia or Louisiana or Michigan or Illinois, New York, LA. Thank God we're not those states, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but their tax structure is different than ours. So yeah, as an entertainer, you know, we got, we, we have people that live here. Um, you know, I still work in the business. I, I still want this industry to grow, um, but we have to find good ways um, for that to grow that are responsible as well. But yeah, anything that tells a good Tennessee story, let's put it on the airways and, and sell it. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, all right. Well, so we got five, I got five questions that I'm asking let's all go. the candidates. Yeah. Five question. So first question, what is the greatest threat to Tennessee's ability to govern itself to states rights? I the 17th amendment of the United States. <laughs> Enough said. Enough said. Well, like I said, um, that it is, and I mean this sincerely. Uh, you know, I'm a history guy, a big time history mm-hmm. guy. Um, I actually, you can find me in the legislative library. Actually, asking Eddie Weeks, who's a phenomenal librarian. I'm the guy's amazing. Um, but I'll go in and say, Eddie, can you can you show me this thing? And, and he, this guy knows exactly where it's at. It takes him like three seconds. Mm-hmm. And um, one day, I actually did ask him about um, the Secretary of War, uh, his letter to the state of Tennessee that said your constitution is now null and void as it contradicts the United States and your governor is no longer. We will, uh, president Lincoln has appointed military governor, Andrew Johnson. And what he says is law and martial law took over. And I remember I talked with Senator Watson about that one day, cause we'd love to talk about these issues. I said, Senator Watson, I said, you know, if they did it once, they can do it again. Yeah. And you know, when we look about the U S Senate, these people are elected for six years unchecked, unchecked Mm -hmm. who balances the u.s senate 
Um, it used to be that if you didn't do the business of your state, they'd pull you back. Now they come home and say, this is your mandate. You will do this. Right. Um, so a threat to govern ourselves, I believe Tennessee makes the best rules for Tennesseans and Nashville. Um, you know, those are, those are where our ideas come from. If we don't like them, we can change them, but most people can get to Nashville. They can't get to DC. Yeah. And I'm a keep, I'm a keep DC out of Tennessee guy. I'm going to fight to keep, I'm a 10th amendment guy. Right. But keep DC out of out of Tennessee. And so that has to be challenged in the United States Senate so that these federal governors who are unchecked for six years don't keep mandating and spending our money because that's spending our money is obviously they'll strangle us financially and then they mandate their rules on us. So they must be checked. Seems like they've started to try to figure out ways to get around the states through the OSHA vaccine mandate. And recently they're trying to get through this red, red flag bill that, you know, goes through the federal court system. They've, they've tried to figure out, many different ways to get around the 10th amendment, which, yeah, it, well, it's all, it's all political games. So you have to understand the legislative process, um, which is one thing I have 11 years experience in. You got to understand the legislative process. You got to understand um, how they're doing, you know, those executive orders. People think those inoculations were vaccinations and that they were approved. They weren't. I yeah. think one of them may be considered a vaccination. I think one of them was, mm-hmm. um, but, but they weren't. And under executive order that, people were taking them um those that's that's one of the games that's played yeah yeah well if we do an executive emergency order then anything we do is just it just passes just let it go let it be along and they enforce things on us um but if you know the process you know where to stop it and so that's one thing i think my strong point is is you know no more games no more shutting us down no more mandating repeal the 17th amendment repeal the 17th amendment and save this country you know let the state speak of course of course all right Next question we got is, what is the most immediate step you can take as a congressman to ease inflation concerns? That's really interesting. I actually was out yesterday. Uh, the first thing I think we can do is I got to talk to my, I got to talk to the owners of these businesses. I was actually at Tony's yesterday, the restaurant, mm-hmm. uh, Tony's in Cool Springs, talking with Tony, the owner, and just kind of asking him his prices and what's happening to him on, on the floor. Uh, I also read that seven of 10 people that work in supply chain are reconsidering their, their jobs. Really? Um, the first thing you can do is we got to pass legislation that stops, you know, strangling the pipeline strangling um, supply chain. That's the first thing I can do. Of course. Right? I, can, I can introduce legislation that after examining the process, we stop that. Um, but look, the facts are the facts. They've literally, it starts financially and the government, it isn't interesting this happens around election time. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so they start financially and they start strangling our money with the gas. They start strangling our money with prices. And then everybody kind of just bows to what has to happen. So the best thing you can do is just introduce legislation um, that takes some of these mandates off and then look at some of these public private partnerships that um, believe they have solutions that are maybe innovative and disruptive to the system mm-hmm. and incentivize them to go at it. Uh, that's a really broad term. It's, it's really broad on how do you stop the inflation, right? Um, because it's, it's everywhere. It's not just a one, you can't just point one place. It's a lot of little things that have made this inflation up and you're gonna have to repeal them one by one. But also, um, it's not just about repeal, repeal. It's about incentivize and innovate, um, new business to step up to, uh, like I said, we're looking at 2100. What does that look like? Um, so incentivize private business to, to step up and find new ways to deliver. Great. Over the next year, how should the U.S. approach the the, the Russia-Ukraine conflict? We should watch. 
We should listen. We should watch. And we should listen. Because the Ukraine-Russia conflict is not the American conflict at this time. Um, and I don't believe anyone really knows what's going on over in Russia, Ukraine. Mm-hmm. I think as humanitarians, we all have a big heart and we would encourage a lot of 51C3s, faith-based organizations to step up and help these innocent people who are being um, put in the middle of a, of a terrible situation. Um, but it's very important that we don't entangle ourselves in foreign wars, that one, we aren't totally sure what's happening. Um, I do find it interesting that um, four, I guess at this point, what is almost five and a half years ago, we talked about there were the, 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 the Democrats were talking about Russian collusion, Russian collusion. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, and it was a certain administration, right? And then for four years, we had peace. And there was no, there was no conflict going on because everybody understood the U.S. was in control and we're not going to be a part of that. And then here we go, the removal of President Trump, and now we've got a problem again. Right. Um, Donald Trump wasn't a globalist. I'm not a globalist. Um, and I think that if we're not careful, we can entangle ourselves in foreign wars and situations that become part of a, of, of a global situation that I, I don't necessarily know if that's really what Americans are, are struggling over today. My job first is America first. And we need to look, like we said, how we talk about supply chain issues and, and Russia and Ukraine, because every time that's on the news, what happens to the market? It goes down and we hurt more. Right. So it is, we want a stable Ukraine and Russia. Um, but we don't really know what's even happening over there. So you would have voted no for the most recent spending bill. The spending bill was $40 billion. Right. The state budget, I believe is 57 billion. That means they spent almost the whole state budget on that. Yeah. And it's money we don't have. Right. Um, it's money that didn't go to Tennesseans. It's money that didn't go to Americans. So it's not just vote. No, mm-hmm. it's, you printed money off to send to a country that we don't have a full understanding of what's happening. Why? Right. You know, so yeah, I'm going to ask the question why, um, but I'm going to also look at it in terms of how does this affect Tennessee? Of course. Of course. Next question. What is the biggest threat to parents' ability to manage their children's own education? The biggest threat? The biggest threat has to be getting school boards under control. Um, you know, if you're a parent, we had a conversation within my camp just yesterday on this. And it's interesting because two sides look at this. Um, I know my parents were, uh, that's my child. I want to know what that curriculum is and, and what you're teaching our kids. Um, and then the other side also says, well, little Johnny's five years old, but little Johnny should have more of a say so than his parents because little Johnny knows best. Um, so it's really an ideological war that mm-hmm. we're saying, do we side with parents who know it's best for their kids or do we side with the kid who knows better than the parent? I grew up in a house where my parents made sure I, did, I didn't know better than them. Of course. Um, and you know what? I didn't. And I had good parents who wanted to be involved in my education. So, um, you know, parents determine the future of their, uh, their child's education. And we got to make sure that uh, parents are involved in the classroom. I mean, my dad was calling my teachers all the time. It was always, it was, it was tough because my, my, my teachers have my dad's phone number, but mm-hmm. I had good parents that wanted to be involved. So we got to encourage parents to be involved. We got to stand with our parents when they are involved uh, because the parents know best. Of course. Great. Last question. What do you think most undermines trust in the voting process? As in, as in what, uh, 
The media. The media. I mean, it's simple. It's the conversations that we hear constantly. We have a 24-hour news cycle. Right. And they're reporting both sides, right, is what they say. Fair and balanced. They report both sides. But it's constantly the, well, what if it was stolen? Well, you can't say it's stolen. Well, what if it was stolen? Well, you can't say it's stolen. And then they report on another story that just confirms one way or the other. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I don't know how you count uh, 160, 70 million votes. Right. Right. I think blockchain technology soon is going to be able to help some of that process. But again, the check and balance, we talked about the 17th Amendment, the check and balance. Right. Mm -hmm. Because um, the fact is, on January 6th, the Senate saw that there were a lot of unhappy uh, states and people. And they just chose to solidify votes. And so the only way you can do that is we don't know all the votes. um, But when you accept those again in the U.S. Senate, the, the check and balance is. The senators should talk to their states and they should determine what's best with those votes based on those states. So states run the elections and the state should have the voice in there. Um, and then the people should hold the count the state accountable for that election. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't know how you count millions and millions and millions and millions of votes. I mean, who casted it? What time? Where'd they go? Who got them? Did they come under a table? I mean, all that stuff is, you know, we got a movie now that out that basically says, look, man, half the time we don't know. Right. So. That's the biggest threat, I think, is nobody knows. Yeah, yeah. But check and balance, that was the whole point of the Constitution, the check and balance. Almost seems like the confusion from the media is deliberate on that part from from both sides. But uh, you mentioned blockchain technology. Um, are you, what, what's your opinion on, on, say, Bitcoin? I'm a big Bitcoin guy, so. Well, Bitcoin is a threat to the U.S. dollar. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, if you're President Trump, uh, president Trump was America first, America dollar first. Why? Because he's the president of the United States. Of course. So we got to be dollar first. The problem mm-hmm. is, is all this inflationary spending and, and uh, printing off money that kills the dollar, hurts the dollar. The positive thing about Bitcoin is that it can't be manipulated. Right. So we can learn from Bitcoin, right? Of course. Um, but, you know, look, if I'm serving the United States Congress, I'm for the U.S. dollar. If mm-hmm. I'm a U.S. citizen, I'm for the U.S. dollar. Sure. Um, we, so we got to be for the U.S. dollar and we got to be against any system that brings our dollar down because we want our dollar to be the best value. Um, but it doesn't mean that I don't respect the blockchain uh, community and, and what Bitcoin brings um, mm-hmm. because the facts are the facts. You can't inflate it. And that's awesome. Great. All right. Well, that's all we got for today. You awesome. got What's your uh, campaign website? My campaign website is Trace, T-R-E-S, Whittem, W-I-T-T-U-M we'll, dot com. We'll include that in the show notes. Trace, thanks for coming by. Thank you for having me. Excited. Of course. Let's do it again in the general. Yeah, let's do it. Thank you. All right. See ya.